Welcome to the Men of Iron Podcast, equipping men for growth in your faith, family, friends, fitness, and finances. Check out menofiron.org to learn more about how you can get involved in or support the vision of changing a culture one man at a time. Thanks for listening. Here's your host, Chad Zook. This is the Men of Iron Podcast, and it is episode 73. My name is Chad Zook. I'm the host of the show. Welcome to you. If you're a long-time listener, just want to say thank you for your long-term partnership. If you're a first-time listener, I just want to say, hey, thanks for taking a chance on this podcast. Of all the things you could listen to and the great content out there, we value people like you who lean in to hear what it is that we have to say. We are a faith-based podcast for men, and the work that we do is centered on five F's, faith, family, fitness, finances, and friendships. Today, we're going to talk about learning and listening, and specifically how relationships, rhythms, and rituals help us to hear from God. Of course, this is the third installment in a series, and the series, all of this has been inspired off of a quote from Seneca, and this is what he said. If a sailor doesn't know to what port he is sailing, no wind is favorable. In this podcast episode, we're going to talk about how you can develop a way of learning and experiencing life where you become a friend of knowledge and a companion of wisdom. We're also going to talk about how building relationships and rhythms of life, they allow God and the gospel to develop your attitude and aptitude towards learning and listening. With that, you're going to see that there's a responsibility for friendships and mentorships and discipleship and other people in your life to help form you to be more like Him. I'll summarize it by saying this, relationships and rhythms help us hear from God and remind us of who we are in Christ. Newsflash, God wants to speak to us. It's up to us to listen. Need a personal financial coach? Doug Kaufman can help with that. Whether it's a business or personal finance, Kaufman's have trained CPAs ready to help you. They're ready to help you to have financial clarity and peace of mind. They develop for you a step-by-step plan to make your financial goals a reality. And they don't just create the plan and then leave you hanging. Instead, what they do is they continue with you to track progress and to celebrate wins. And a win is determined by you, so you can have financial clarity and peace of mind. They work really hard at helping people to understand where their money's going and also for them to help uh, to have the finances to reach the goals that they want. So Doug Kaufman and his team can be found at kaufmancpa.com, K-A-U-F-F-M-A-N-C-P-A.com. Doug and his team have been doing virtual coaching and doing virtual CPA work for quite a long time, since before COVID. This was actually part of their business strategy. They know how to do it. They know how to connect with you. I talked to Doug a couple weeks back, and man, he knows his stuff. We shaped up a great conversation, and I was really inspired and challenged by what he said, and I believe that Doug and his team are going to be able to help you to go to the next level so you can have clarity, financially speaking, and you can have peace of mind. If that's something that you need, go see Doug at KaufmanCPA.com. Now let's get on to the rest of the show as we talk about how learning and listening can help us fight discouragement and confusion. (laughs) 
So let's talk about this. Let's talk about discouragement and confusion, and let's talk about how learning and listening can help us to win that fight. Uh, The reality is we all face discouragement and confusion from one time or another, and there are a bunch of reasons why. But yet what we're going to talk about today is the fact that God really does want to speak to us. And it's really good to know that. And it's really good to know that God didn't just spin the world into motion and then remove himself to let us find ourselves, quote-unquote. That's just not how God works. Hearing from God seems, I guess, super spiritual in some ways and maybe unrealistic to others, but this is really what God desires. But this is an easy, easy thing to miss because we live much of our life on our terms. So when we talk about build a sale, we talk about building these, these rhythms, rituals, and relationships to help build the sale, quote-unquote, is just a way of us learning and listening to God to help us to get out of that discouragement and confusion. Because the answer isn't more of us. The answer is more of God. So I think there's some reasons why we don't hear from God, and this is definitely not a complete list. I could just go on and on and on. I've got five here. But I think there's there's really a few big reasons why we don't hear from God or really why we don't understand our purpose, or why we just get frustrated, you know, discouraged, and confused. I think uh, the first reason I would say is this. We want God to show us and not tell us. We want God, if if we were to be really honest with one another, maybe honest with your band of brothers, with your mentor, with the person who's discipling you, and just, just to be honest about this, many times we just want God to show us. Show us everything. Show us the result. Show us everything along the way. Instead of saying, God, tell us. So we just want God to show us. We want, we want to circumvent what it is that God wants for us. We want to short-circuit the relational side to make it easier on us. But when God tells us something, it requires active participation on our part. I'll give you a little bit of my backstory. I, I predate GPS, so I'm older. We'll, we'll go with that. And so I prayed, I predate GPS. Now, I, of course, I even predate cell phones, but if I say anything more, you're probably not going to listen to me. So we're just going to uh, just move right on past that. But, but I predate GPS. God doesn't give us a GPS where we get an we overall map. It's all digitized. We know exactly what's going on. We know every stop along the way. We know, I mean, everything. We can look at traffic patterns. I mean, so much about GPS and, and modern technology is great in that way because you can really... You can look at everything. You can either look at it from 30,000 foot or you can look at it from street level to know exactly what's going on all around you. That's not how God works. I do believe that God God sovereignly puts us in the place where we're supposed to be. I 100% agree with that and I believe that. But God doesn't give us a GPS and say, hey, I'm going to show you everything along the way. Instead, he gives us a map and he gives us a guide. And that's drastically different than the GPS that just shows us everything instead of telling us. He gives us the Holy Spirit as a guide, and He gives us the map of His Word. And so He does that because He wants to He, he wants us to tell us. He wants to have this shared relationship with us to help us to live into our purpose so we can fulfill what it is that He has for us. The second reason is this. We choose today over tomorrow. And this is immediate gratification. And we, we can easily choose immediate gratification over long-term goals. We can choose the greasy cheeseburger today over the 10 pounds that we're trying to lose over the next three months. 
We can choose the ice cream that I want right now because my taste buds are saying I want that right now and because my willpower is waning right now. And we can just go right after that immediate gratification instead of the long-term goals. And of course, that was a reference about fitness and eating. It's the same thing spiritually. In Podcast 71, I talked about how a sailboat has to move when the wind moves. So it, it positions itself. The sail is positioned to maximize the direction of the wind. And it can even move in the opposite direction of the wind as long as it positions its sail to do that. Because they don't sail in straight lines to destinations. They, they sail they, going back and forth and back and forth, and eventually hit, they hit the, the course that they've plotted out for to begin with. We need to know the wind so they can, so we can position and reposition our use of the wind. Now replace that with we need to know God. We need to know what God says so we can position and reposition ourselves to get in alignment with God. It's then and only then through the power of God can we have a win over the immediate gratification. Dopamine is something that we are addicted to. And because of that, we feel that fix and that, that immediate sense of gratification and that the warm and fuzzy feeling once we do something and it's gone. It's like a vapor. That's what Solomon would talk about in Ecclesiastes. It's like it's, it's right here in this moment, but it's like a vapor. It's gone. We choose today over tomorrow. We choose immediate gratification over long-term goals. So we, we get frustrated. We get discouraged, not because God has changed, but because we have changed, because we have settled on lesser things. Another thing is we focus more on what than who. And I, again, I believe this, and I know some of you will and some of you won't. Some of this is going to be a mind bender for you, but just lean into this. Even if you disagree, disagree quietly and keep listening. So here's the thing. God is far more concerned with us knowing Him than us doing things for Him. God is far more concerned with us knowing Him than doing things for Him, which is why the, the three great uh, commandments, I think, and there's really only two commandments, but there's two wrapped up into one, is love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. What's implied there? You love your neighbor, love others, but also you love others in the way that you love yourself. So I know there are two commands, and I'm not trying to be all biblical and all weird about this. I'm just saying there, there comes an element of where we have to trust God to show us about ourselves so we can love our neighbor. All this to say, we focus more on what than who. Saying, God, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to do? And I love verses like Micah 6, 8, because it just really settles me, and it, maybe it'll settle you. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. There's, there's an interplay there of both of who it is that we're supposed to be, walking humbly with God and loving mercy. That has to do with a, a relationship, a covenant relationship we have with God that God initiated himself. And then the act justly part, is it, that has to do with behavior. So it is both what and who, but yet we, we just can't get into the what is it that we're supposed to do and miss who it is that we're supposed to be in the journey, which leads me into the next part. Oftentimes we get confused because we think that we are are human doings and not human beings. We get mixed into this, this way of living to where we become busy and we chase things, some good things, some not good things, 
but we we don't have a good balance of of rest and work and yet we become frustrated and confused because we think we're doing all the right things so we shouldn't be exhausted but yet again you are a human being not a human doing we can't live like human doings and lastly we make it about us and not god when we make it about us it means that we're only going to be satisfied if we get what we want and what we think we need but what if we're wrong what if our emphasis is supposed to be on God and not us? Maybe this is the reason why we have a hard time hearing from God or understanding what it is that God would have for us is because we're making it about us. So we only can understand things. We only accept things through the lens of how it benefits us instead of how can God be glorified by this and how can the world be made better when I fulfill the thing that God has wanted me to do? You see, when our attitude is positioned well, our aptitude will steadily improve. I'll say it again. When our attitude is positioned well, our aptitude will steadily improve. Let's talk about attitude. You see, because this is what we need. If we're going to be people who, who learn and who listen, we have to have an attitude that's ready to receive what it is that we're supposed to receive from God, from a community of believers. You see, a godly attitude doesn't come just because we decide to smile harder. How petty would that be? That's a really stupid notion, isn't it? To think, well, my attitude has to be better just if I just bear into this a little bit more, I just smile a little bit harder, I try a little bit harder. You see, a godly attitude comes because you decide to follow God. You get to have bad days, but as Christians, we also have the hope of a better one. You see, we will have bad days. We will have, we will have moments where we're a little discouraged, we get disappointed, we get confused. And yet, if you are a man of God, we have an opportunity of going back to God, hearing from God, listening to God, and all of a sudden, those bad days don't last as long because we're reminded that we have hope of a better one that's coming. When it comes to attitude, we have to really understand this as well. God is working on our character while we're walking out His purpose. God is working on our character while we're walking out His purpose. Character is developed by tests, and everything in life is a test. You and I will face major tests. We'll have delays that we're tested by, problems that we're tested by. We will have prayers that go unanswered for long amounts of time that will be tested by those. We'll be tested by criticism of people who we like or dislike. We'll also have just senseless tragedies. All of this is because we live in a fallen world. This, our attitude is going to be affected, and our character is going to be developed and shaped by all of these tests. Adversity reveals attitude and sharpens aptitude. This is the big idea. Adversity reveals attitude. So when you face those tests, that adversity, it reveals your real attitude towards God. If you're really able to hear from Him, if you're listening to Him, or if you're just, just wanting something to benefit yourself. But if, if we actually embrace this adversity well, we do it right, this adversity reveals our attitude and also can sharpen our aptitude, our aptitude for hearing and listening later on. There's a passage of scripture that has, has really impacted my life, and I want to share it with you right now. This comes from 1 Corinthians 16, 13-14, and this is what it says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all you do be done 
in love. So be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. See, this implies both adversity, attitude, and aptitude, meaning that we're to be watchful. So we know that if we're to be watchful, that means we know that there's adversity coming. Stand firm in the faith. This is an attitude of faith that I'm not going to walk away from this adversity. I'm going to stand in the trenches. I'm going to armor up. I'm going to battle up. I'm going to be locking arms with the brother who's next to me, to my right and to my left and to my forward and to my back. And we are locked into this thing together. I'm going to stand firm. This is an attitude of faith. And I'm going to act like a man. And, and I'm going to be strong. This goes into your aptitude, growing to be a man. I'm going to act like a man. Sometimes we don't feel like doing the manly thing. Sometimes we feel like retreat, but men stand. They stand watch. They stand firm in the faith, and they act like men. There's a reason why in this scripture it doesn't say act like women. Act like men to be watchful, to stand firm in the faith, be strong. And yet, notice this isn't some Neanderthal notion here. Let all that you do be done in love. So I want to give you four different types of attitudes as we can have uh, just an improvement of our attitude towards God and other people. And I think all of these go into the type of attitude that is needed for us to be learners and listeners of God. The first one is we need to have a supportive attitude. That is, as a community of believers, our job is to lift up our brothers and sisters. Practically, this means comforting our friends and family when they need it and serving them when they need it. And also, it's allowing somebody to comfort us when we need it and to serve us when we need it. You see, this lets us have servant hearts that help others rather than just sitting back and deciding to let somebody else help, quote-unquote. Biblically, when we encourage others, it means much more than a positive wish. It means that you're investing in their lives, that you have a choice to support uh, friends and family with a biblical attitude. You see, it's easy as, as checking in with a quick phone call or a text just to let them know that you're supporting them. This is going to happen in the context of friendships, discipleship, mentorship, and marriage. You need to have a supportive attitude. The, this gone away and do away with the Lone Ranger mentality of saying, I'm going to stand in the gap for my brother, and he is going to stand in the gap for me. I understand that I have an important role to play in his life, and he has an important role to play in mine. This is a powerful takeaway, guys. The second attitude is a patient attitude. This has to do with the rhythm. Uh, you see, in times of trial, it's hard to be patient, isn't it? Or am I the only one? It's hard to wait for an answer from God. We, we tend to just want to, you know, just jump in, take care of it ourselves, and, and then blame God if it doesn't work out in the way that we want. And maybe that isn't your story, but I, I can definitely say that I have failed numerous times in my life by doing that. And, some, and, and in some ways, we just want God to sweep in and give us a miracle, or give us a better outlook on life. We want a reward for doing good things that we've done in the past. And yet, we also want to change immediately and know that God has perfect timing. That's the reason why we have to be patient and these, these rhythms of life matter. You see, God has perfect timing and we need to trust in His plan. Let us pray with a patient attitude when we feel that we've been waiting on God for a long time. We must remember that God... God's not in a hurry and that God hasn't stopped loving us or he hasn't forgotten us, but God doesn't need a, excuse me. God doesn't need us to be patient so that we can learn to be better people. 
He wants us to have an attitude of patience because it reflects our dependence on Him. Which leads into the third attitude, a faithful attitude. Many of us want to we want to be bold for Christ. We, we get fired up when we hear that passage, like in verse 13. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. We get fired up about that, and that's great. I'm glad, and that's a motivating verse for me. Hopefully it is for you. And yet something in you wants to be faithful. So in that, in that quest for boldness for Christ, you know, we, we, we want to tell of His joys and His power. But maybe we find it harder to be bold when we're faced with a tough situation. However, a tough situation is actually a call for boldness. When we're called, when we're called to be bold in the face of uncertainty and trials, this is so that others will see our boldness and they'll wonder where our faith comes from. They will wonder where our strength comes from. And we can tell them it's from God. It's so easy to get up in a hard stage of life and to think that God has forgotten you. But He hasn't forgotten you. Don't get disappointed, man. Don't get, dis- don't get disappointed. Don't get discouraged. Don't be confused. God hasn't forgotten you. Instead, let us be faithful through the hard stages and faithful for others who are facing tough circumstances too. And the last one is a manly attitude. So the first was a supportive attitude, then a patient attitude, a faithful attitude, and now a manly attitude. Men were designed to take initiative. I wish I had time to draw this out, the Hebrew words from the Old Testament in Genesis, but I don't. But man was, men were designed to take initiative. A man carries his strength into the world, remembering that though the world has fallen, his masculine purpose is to take action. It's to use his strength and to leave his mark for the glory of God and the good of the world. I want to share with you two quotes from Elizabeth Elliot, amazing missionary woman whose husband was Jim Elliot. Maybe you're familiar with that story. You can Google Jim and Elizabeth Elliot from decades ago. Amazing missionary story and what God did through them. But I want to share two quotes that Elizabeth Elliot wrote later in life. And these are from her book called The Mark of a Man. She says this, Stand true to your calling to be a man. Real women will always be relieved and grateful when men are willing to be men. Then she says this, which is brilliant. Masculinity means initiation. Femininity means response. To have a manly attitude is to take initiative, is to do that thing. Do the thing that you've been avoiding. It's to step up and face that adversity. Understand that trial is is going to sharpen your aptitude as a man, and it also is going to reveal your attitude as a man. And both of those need to be submitted to God. Because after all, it doesn't just stop with attitude. We also want to have a better aptitude. So an aptitude, it gets better with time and experience. You get better at doing something by doing it. For years, I worked on airplanes, and sadly, whenever I, I actually went into the Navy and I went into, uh, into the training to work on jet engines, I had never changed the oil on my own vehicle. I wasn't raised in that way. All of, all of the auto repair work was always shipped out to have somebody else do it. That's just how my family operated. So I'd never changed the oil on my own vehicle, and yet I was learning how to change the oil on a multi-million dollar fighter jet. It was, it was really weird. And so I didn't really have that much of an aptitude for being a mechanic. I wasn't, I'll just be honest with you, I really wasn't very good at it. I had education, 
Uh, I eventually got a bachelor's degree. I had uh, thousands of hours doing it. I also had training in the Navy and in a lot of tough situations working on a flight deck. I did all those things. I didn't really start out very good at it. I didn't turn out to be great at it, but I got better by doing it. Although I had zero knowledge of it to begin with, I got better by doing it. You may have no knowledge of, okay, how do I even develop a walk with God? How do I hear from God? You're going to get better by doing it. You get better at praying by praying. You get better at reading the Bible by reading the Bible. You get better at, at, at having a mentor or being in a mentorship by having a mentor. The, these types of things don't happen in solitary confinement. These things happen in community. You need to go out. You need to exercise whatever it is that you're trying to grow in. Your aptitude grows, and it gets better with time and experience. And of course, it's not just experience. You also have to have uh, you have to have critical feedback. You have to have uh, people around you. There's a lot that goes into this. You have to have a mindset of learning, uh, a growth mindset, as, as some call it today. But you get better at doing something by doing it, not by sitting around talking about it, but you have to actually do it. I'll give you another story. When I was a kid, I played baseball, and I did have a little bit of, of acumen, and I was pretty well-coordinated. But when I was a kid, I had one of those, those backstops in my backyard. And it was the type of backstop that you would fix to the ground, but I could position it at different angles. So I would throw my ball into it, and it would have a little, a little uh, red rank ta- rectangle, as if I was pitching, because I used to practice pitching into this. And as I would throw into this backstop, it would actually launch the ball back to me. So it wasn't just catching it. It was actually, it was almost like a trampoline effect. I would throw the ball and it would come back to me. Well, I could position that, that backstop at different angles. So I could give myself ground balls. I could give myself line drives. I could give myself a pop-up. And I had thousands and thousands of throws. And it was continually working on my hand-eye coordination, it working on my foot speed, working on anticipating where the ball was going to be. I got better over time. You will too. You will too. You'll get better over time. So I want to help you now as, as we're trying to learn and listen to God. I, I want you to, to maybe consider practicing some of these daily rhythms. These are daily rhythms that I have in my life. These are proven over generations, hundreds, hundreds of, of thousands, probably millions of people have taken some of these things in and put them into practice and their lives have become better by it. And I believe yours will too. See, here's some daily rhythms that you need to practice. So here's a daily rhythm. It's just, for one, is sleeping well and starting your day before everyone else is up in your home. So a, a daily rhythm is sleep well. I'm not going to tell you how many hours of sleep you need. We could all debate, oh, I need six hours, I need four hours, I need seven hours. And yet, I think maybe those numbers, you know, they vary a little bit, But I, but I ultimately think that you know, science is probably right on this. Most men actually need around seven hours, but we can squabble about that later if you want. So daily, we need to be able to, to sleep well. We need to start our day before everybody else is up in your home. If I don't start my day, if I don't get into the Word of God before everybody else is awake, if I don't spend time in prayer and, and meditate on Scripture before everybody else is awake, most of the time it's blown. It just is. That's the way it happens in my house. Probably yours too. I think you need to exercise at least three times a week, at least three times a week. I exercise six days a week, most weeks, sometimes five days a week. But I think that, that you need to exercise at least three times a week. You need to have a healthy diet. 
You need to have times when you intentionally power down your devices to power up conversation with others. You need to have a study habit. So you need to read the gambit of the scriptures. Don't just live in the section that you like reading about. You need to to don't live in one section at all. As a matter of fact, you need to read the gambit of the scriptures so that way you become well-rounded because God has God can speak in any of those scriptures, not just the one that you prefer. Another thing is just as a, as a rhythm, a daily rhythm, be attentive. Be attentive to others. Listen, learn, and, and lean in to what other people have to say. Oftentimes what I've found in my life is the voice of God is rendered out through somebody else who cares about me and who knows me. I need to be attentive to others. And also teach somebody what you're being taught. There's a, a really profound principle here. The, the more that you teach someone... The, the greater that you you yourself are going to learn it because you actually learn it twice. You learn it when you first learned it, and also you get to relearn it again when you teach somebody else. So you need to have some daily rhythms. You need to have some study habits, study rhythms. You need to be attentive to others. That's just a rhythm, a relational rhythm. You need to, you need to teach someone. So again, this goes into mentorship, discipleship, just your community, your band of brothers. Maybe even... Just even within your home, with your, your wife, your girlfriend, if you have that, or your kids. You see, experience is not what happens to you, as Rick Warren would say. It's what you do with what happens to you. So don't waste your pain. Use it to help others. Have an attitude that says, God's not through with me, and I'm not through with God, and I am not going to get off mission of what God has for me. So it's my job to have the right attitude and develop my aptitude of learning and listening to Him. Because pain is coming. It's coming for all of us. We need to use it to help others. You will fail. You will win. You will get back up, and you will try, try, try again. I want to end this podcast with a quote called Try Again from William Hickson and also one last phrase, and then I'm going to be through. Tis a lesson you should heed, try again. If at first you don't succeed, try again. Then your courage should appear, for if you will persevere, you will conquer. Never fear, try again. Once or twice, though, you shall fail. If you would at least prevail, try again. If we strive, tis no disgrace that we did not win the race. What should you do in that case? Try again. If you find your task is hard, try again. Time will bring you your reward. Try again. And all that other folk can do, why with patience should not you? Only keep this rule in view. Try again. When your attitude is aligned aptitude will follow. Aptitude follows attitude. When you get these things in alignment, we can hear and we can listen to and we can not be confused and we can not be discouraged and we can live our God-given purpose. This Men of Iron podcast is brought to you by Men of Iron. If you're interested in getting involved in or supporting the vision of changing a culture one man at a time, or you simply want to know more about our Strong 27 mentorship experience, Equilibrium retreats, Anchored Man video series, or Men of Iron Plus, go to menofiron.org.